1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to New Books in German Studies, part of the New Books Network. I'm Craig Savilla, the host of the channel. Talking, today, we'll be talking to Dr. Simon Levisulam about his excellent new book, The Italian Executioners, The Genocide of Jews of Italy, published by Princeton in 2018. Simon, hello, and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Yes,
1: it's wonderful to have you. Um, Simon, we traditionally like to begin these interviews by having the author uh, tell us something about themselves.
0: Well, I am a a professor at the University of Venice uh, in Italy. Uh, I work on uh, modern uh, European history, especially Italian and French uh, in the 19th and 20th century. Uh, But I like to remember that I've had an extensive uh, U.S. uh, academic uh, training and part of my career happened on the east and west coast in the States. So I have a special connection to your country.
1: Um, wonderful. Uh, where where did you study in the United States?
0: I was at Berkeley and UCLA, and I spent some time at Columbia, the Italian Academy. Uh, so I remain attached to that world, uh, and then I went on to an experience at Oxford. Uh, and and uh, but my research has led me, especially in Italy, in France, in archives and libraries. And now I teach in modern Europe uh, in in Italy, in Venice, especially. Um,
1: what was your dissertation?
0: I worked on Mazzini, the Italy's father founder in the 19th century, and um, I tried to claim that, uh, despite he the fact that he's usually um, considered a liberal, uh, there were authoritarian elements in his thoughts, uh, uh, which. Uh, uh, were then used uh, uh, in the 20th century in, in the making of uh, fascist ideology, and uh, this uh, was quite controversial, but I published it as a book in Italian first in 2010, and then in the, the book came out also in the UK and the US with Palgrave Macmillan. Uh, more recently in 15 uh under the title uh, Giuseppe Martini and the Origins of Fascism and uh so I tend to be a revisionist as uh, regarding Italian history I I like to study uh, the dark side of Italian that history it? a country that is usually known for uh, its beauties and its uh, monumental past and Renaissance, uh, Dante Alighieri, uh, etc. I, I I think we have to concentrate also on its uh, more complex and dark moments.
1: Uh, that's a great transition to your current book. Um, so how did you get the idea to write this book? Um, was it something you've been thinking about for a long time? Um, sort of out of your, was it, did it come out of your dissertation in your last book?:
0: Well, um, I had worked on uh, the last phase of fascism at the very beginning of my career, uh, with the, my first article was uh, devoted on the, to, uh, devoted to the Republic of the Salo Republic, uh, uh, which was this uh, puppet republic uh, created by Mussolini and with the Nazi support uh, in the heart of the Second World War between 1943 and 1945, Uh, but I didn't deal specifically with uh, the Jewish question and the Holocaust then. Um, However, in recent years, I've been increasingly preoccupied with the fact that the Italian public opinion and also the Italian academia, uh, but especially the international academia outside Italy, uh, has not dealt so much with the criminal aspect of fascism. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, fascism is seen as the latter evil uh, as com- in comparison to Germany and I wanted to show uh, and to focus on for that reason on the most violent, the most criminal phase of fascism which uh, had been a dictatorship uh, at least since 1925 uh, in Italy uh, but and had been a violent dictatorship uh, not only persecuting public political opinion, uh, but also uh, persecuting uh, anti-fascist workers, socialists, uh, uh, etc., oftentimes killing them. Uh, But I wanted to look at uh, a more more recent phase, uh, the phase at the heart of the Second World War, in which uh, during the German occupation, uh, Mussolini returned to power and... Uh, enhanced uh, its uh, anti-Jewish persecution. uh, We will probably mention the fact that uh, in 1938, uh, Mussolini introduced racial laws in Italy, uh, anti-Jewish laws, uh, uh, expelling Jews from Italian society. Uh, uh, And this was a preliminary phase to a more radical phase, which took place uh, during the Second World War. Which marked the transition from the persecution of the right of Jews, which had been kicked out from Italian societies, schools, uh, universities, libraries, uh, jobs, uh, to the persecutions of the life of the Jews, when Jews were actually uh, hunted down uh, in, around Italy, especially in the center north of Italy. Uh, during the war and were uh, first confined in uh, detention camps and then turned to the germans uh, uh, and this was basically the Italian chapter of the so-called final solution. The Germans would then would ship them then to well eastern Eastern Europe, especially auschwitz, where they were killed in thousands in the thousands uh, in concentration camps so there was a political and, and scientific preoccupation with the criminal nature of fascism and then there was also my personal involvement uh, i have a jewish background and part of my family was killed in the holocaust so i don't deny and in, i in am interested interested in exploring the scholars uh, implication uh, in in the topic he, he or she works on uh, as a so as, a, as a kind of a personal trigger.
1: Sure. Um, so, good. I, I think this is a, a good place to sort of talk about the central problem that you're dealing with in your book that um, both in historiography and in public perception, the Italians have often been viewed as not willingly or actively participating in the genocide of Italian Jews. And in, in a lot of cases, it's gone even further than that that, you know, You you mentioned in your book about the number of uh, places in Italy that study resistance to fascism, um, and very few that study um, actually participating in fascism. I I wonder if you could talk about that that myth, where it comes from, um, why it's persisted, um, and then we'll we'll get into some more specific things, but I think it'd be good to talk about the, the big historiographical problem that you're dealing with.
0: Yes. Well, uh, both in the historiography of the Holocaust, uh, especially at the international level. Since uh, the classic historiography of the Holocaust started, for example, in the major work uh, by Raoul Hilberg, uh, The Destruction of European Jews, published in the uh, early 60s, which then became a classic and is still used uh, in the historiography of the Holocaust. And in other major classic works on totalitarianism, for example, Hannah Arendt's uh, The Origins of Totalitarianism, published in 1951, uh, the role of Italy in the space uh, devoted to Italy uh, in the Holocaust is very limited. Uh, also, French historiography, which was pioneering in the field, for example, Leon Polyakov Uh, the the Russian scholar who worked in in France uh, and uh, a major specialist uh, of anti-Semitism and one of the first authors of a major monograph on the Holocaust in Europe. Uh, In these works, the role of Italy is very limited. The role of Italian executioners is very limited. Uh, Italy is painted as a heaven uh, for the rescue of European Jews uh, fleeing from Eastern and Central Europe. Uh, and uh, uh, the Italians are represented uh, as a benevolent uh, people who opened their home uh, and in the, with the Catholic clergy playing a major role in rescuing Jews, uh, for example, in convents during the war. Um this was the result of uh, limited knowledge about the Italian experience, uh, about the Italian experience of fascism more generally. For example, Hannah Arendt even denies uh, that fascism can be considered a totalitarianism in her work, classic work, uh, The Origins, I, which I mentioned. Well, actually, the word totalitarianism itself was uh, created by Italians, first by the anti-fascists, uh, who used it as a, of course as a critique of uh, fascists, uh, the um, anti-democratic ruling. and then it was picked up by the fascists themselves who uh, liked the term and adopted to define themselves. Uh, but it wasn't only a question of distance uh, from the sources and uh, of limited knowledge. Uh, we now know from several works uh, uh, that uh, there was an active role, for example, of Italian diplomacy uh, after, right after the war. In the 9, the role of a uh, violent role of, for example, the Italian army in the Balkans, uh, where Italian factions had uh, played an active role in so-called anti-partisan warfare. Uh, in uh, while they sided with the Germans uh, in the first uh, half of the Second World War. Or there was, more generally, for example, a denial of uh, colonial crimes uh, in uh, Ethiopia, uh, in which uh, Italy had uh, the country been involved uh, since the mid-30s, when it created an Italian empire during uh, during the peak of consent of fascism uh, at the heart of Italian imperialism. Um, and also, the role of Italians in the Holocaust uh, had been limited, had been uh, denied, and uh, basically hidden by Italian diplomacy, by the uh, by the by the Italian army, uh, and by Italian society at large. The problem was uh, hiding or not dealing with. The, the Italian involvement or the involvement of the Italian people with fascism. The fact that Italians had sided with fascism for uh, basically two decades, had offered their consent to the regime uh, and uh, most of Italian society had been fascist. and um, Another element which contributed to this uh, uh, erasure of uh, Italian responsibilities in, in the Holocaust was the fact that in 1946, a, an amnesty of, uh, of fascist crimes was enforced, which basically erased uh, all or ma- major fascist responsibilities, both during the regime and during the Second World War. So, very few uh, post-war trials were uh, celebrated uh, and... Uh, uh, very few people were condemned uh, based on, for, uh, for, for for these crimes. Oh. So these factors contributed to a very benevolent image of Italy, outside Italy, uh, through the role of uh, classics, uh, uh, major historiographical works, uh, and even an active role of Italian institutions and Italian society at large.
1: Um, I definitely want to ask you about trials, um, but before I do, I just wanted to follow up by asking, uh, do you think that um, the Allies, particularly the Americans, had anything to do um, with this sort of um, massaging over the Italian fascist past because they wanted the Italians to switch sides, they wanted to welcome them back into the community of nations after the war, um, they had enough yeah, problems
0: think, uh, to deal with with the Germans. I, I think uh, they they wanted. Uh, I mean, uh, Italy had shifted alliances in the in the course of the war and had decided to side uh, with the Allies. Uh, and uh, in in response to this, uh, uh, the U.S. and other Western countries, uh, in a sense, adopted uh, Italy and. Uh, yeah, decided that it would belong to uh, the Western uh, bastion uh, in the uh, Cold War divide. Uh, uh, There was also the concern that Italy uh, could uh, turn into a communist country uh, because of the growing influence of the Communist Party in in the country. So uh, counting uh, uh, on uh, Watering, watering down the past responsibility uh, was uh, seen as necessary and perhaps essential to obtain Italian support uh, of the Western uh, alliance uh, in, the, in the Cold War, uh, and this would uh, uh, would help uh, both uh, uh, the U.S. in acting against uh, Nazi Germany and its crimes. Uh, and in uh, separating Italy from the growing influence uh, of the USSR.
1: Um, so trials, you do mention uh, a number of times in the book about the amnesty law, um, but you do you do talk about a couple of the trials that took place. Um, I'm wondering if you can explain the sort of the characteristics of those trials, how they operated, um, where yes. did they borrow from Nuremberg, for instance, um, and how were they well,
0: perceived? Uh, yeah well to begin with there was there was never uh there was never a nuremberg for italian fascist crimes uh the the entire focus uh, of the western countries uh, was on nazi germany and uh locally uh, in, or nationally in italy very few trials uh were celebrated uh, following the war be- for the amnesty uh, of 1946, which was actually enforced by and decided by the Secretary of the Communist Party, T- Palmiro Tugliatti, who was also the Minister of Justice. And this was done uh, to avoid, basically, a civil war in Italy, because of the fact that, or to close the civil war, uh, the resistance movement uh, had involved only... Uh, several thousand Italians, uh, but basically had split, split Italy between fascists and anti fascists. But the majority of Italians had been fascists. So, uh, if there had been no amnesty, uh, most of Italians would have been, uh, in jail probably. So, uh, as if today we, uh, the, the, the absence of an Italian Nuremberg seems, uh, sounds uh, shocking. Uh, Probably at the time, it was necessary on the political grounds uh, to avoid uh, uh, a huge split in Italian society, uh, the continuation uh, of uh, of violence, uh, and the fact that uh, most Italians would have been called uh, uh, to explain their position and to pay for what they had done, basically supporting fascism so a few trials uh took place uh, but as in nuremberg uh, the uh, anti-jewish crimes were not a specific uh accusation were not legally acknowledged yet uh, by international law or nor by national laws uh, so the the crime the, uh, the specific anti-jewish activity since Thirty-eight, and specifically in the Holocaust, the role of Italians in arrest, uh, the depredation of uh, wealth, uh, and uh, the uh, turning in Jews to the Germans uh, or betraying them was never considered as a specific crime in Italian courts. Um, as it is known that this this was true also for Nuremberg and. Uh, the crime against the Jewish people was, uh, igno- crimes against the Jewish people were acknowledged only, uh, later on internationally, uh, starting with the Eichmann trial in 1961 in, in Israel. Uh, this was done by Israeli law. Uh, uh so it didn't exist in Italy uh, as it hasn't existed uh, in Nuremberg where, uh, the Holocaust itself has not been a specific, uh, uh object of uh, discussion. The same was true in, was true in Italy, uh, even more so in a sense. Uh, only a few uh, war criminals were brought to justice uh, but there was no mention of the role in, in the Holocaust and those who served in jail uh, at the higher rank were uh, soon uh, released in the early 50s through other amnesties. Or were able to flee the country. Uh, uh, for example, General Roatta, who had been uh, active in the Balkans uh, and who had been responsible of extreme violence in the in the Balkans. Um Most uh, some some uh, trials did take into consideration uh, or mentioned in passing uh, the role that, for example, a few policemen, the policeman, the head of police, had had in, uh, for example, in in Rome, in the the arrest of Jews. Uh, But uh, usually uh, this was overturned, uh, and uh, the police was often able to show that in several other cases they had tried to help Jews. Uh, And in fact, uh, uh, the police is another institution, Uh, the Italian police, uh, including the military police, the Carabinieri, who were at the head of the arrest of Jews during the war, were very active in uh, constructing a very positive image of themselves uh, after the war and in in portraying themselves as victims of the Germans and not as independent uh, actors uh, on the Italian scene. And to this day, uh, the Carabinieri, the uh, Italian military police, uh, a major police force in Italy, uh, has denies access to its archives, uh, historical archives. Uh, so uh, the, the the role of the Carabinieri in the arrest is known, but has not been documented on their own papers. It emerges, however, on in police records and ofi- in other official papers. So it is uh, uh, proved. Um but these trials never brought uh to the attention of the judges uh, the, um, the, the the anti-jewish activity, and in fact uh, both the police and uh, the, the judges were uh, left untouched uh, by uh, the transition to post-fascism meaning uh, the judges and the persecutors uh, who were uh, uh, active and had trained during fascism and the policemen who had been trained and were active during fascism remained largely the same and uh, did not change uh, after the war and in post-fascist Italy. Uh, it was the same men. And in fact, there the were incredible cases in which uh, uh, individual policemen who had been in charge uh, of uh, um, stealing uh, the Jewish, uh, uh, confiscating Jewish wealth, uh, were then made responsible after the war uh, of the restitution of Jewish wealth, uh, because they were the experts and specialists uh, of the field. But basically, there was a uh, after the liberation. The next days, uh, the next day, most of uh, Italian policemen were declared. Uh, innocent, and were put in charge of the restitution of Jewish wealth, as if, as if nothing had happened.
1: Um, when I got to that section of your book, I was, I was shocked by that. Um, mm-hmm. that just how, um, So in essence, there was no, in, unlike in Germany, where there was a whole denazification process, that, that just did not happen in Italy at, right. at any level of government.
0: Basically not. Um, Yes. Uh, also, uh, there were cases of people who had turned in their friends uh, and uh, informants. Uh, that was basically not the object of uh, attention by the Italian justice. And the amnesty of 1946 had a, a major role. Uh, and the fact that the Italians uh, wanted to call themselves anti fascist uh, after the fall of the regime, uh, which had brought them... To a disastrous war, it uh, was basically a general uh, complicity of Italian society in declaring Italy innocent and, in a sense, turning, it, turning Italy into a, a victim of Nazism and of fascism, which in truth uh, it had largely supported.
1: Um, I get I get the sense from from your answer that Italian ordinary Italians uh, citizens on the street people reading newspapers. Um, by and large, would have been very against trials, these trials? Um,
0: uh, well, there was a fear that, I mean, uh, because of the large uh, involvement of uh, of Italians at all levels uh, in fascist uh, bureaucracy and the fact that fascism controlled uh, the Italian society uh, through the regime, uh, through various uh, associations, youth associations, uh, school programs, etc., this involvement, uh, the Italian involvement in fascism was so uh, deep uh, that uh, basically uh, all Italy would have been put under trial uh, if the amnesty would not have been enforced. So uh, certainly this was seen as something dangerous and something that would have uh, damaged the civil texture of Italian society. Mm-hmm which was uh, in desire of uh, peace and uh, returning to democracy, and also the fact that uh, Christian democracy, which in many ways became a heir to the the role of the fascist party, it was actually split between the communist party and the Christian democrats after the war. But they made an alliance in uh, erasing Uh, fascist crimes and involvement within fascism.
1: Um, And that's a different experience, um, particularly with the communists who, um, in other countries in Germany or in in France um, or in East Germany, uh, really wanted to highlight um, fascist crimes. Um, Is that something you've thought about, that it's it's very different in Italy that that the communists and the, the Christian Democrats would make that sort of deal?
0: Yes. Well, the problem is that the communists themselves uh, were largely uh, have been largely involved. I mean, the leadership of the party had been in exile. For example, Togliatti himself, uh, secretary of the party, had been in exile uh, in, in Moscow, uh, and so had no involvement with fascism. Other had been in France. Other had been in jail or killed. But uh, you could count anti-fascist. Uh, uh, in uh, very small numbers. Mm. So, uh, if you were to put under trial all the uh, communist electorate, you would be dealing with uh, a large involvement also of that electorate, which had, in a sense, discovered democracy only after the war, uh, but had largely supported fascism before before uh, the war. So, mm, it was, uh, in a sense, a necessary political move. Mm. The, the, The the involvement, the degree of involvement. I mean, uh, only Italy and Germany can be compared on those grounds. Because, for example, you mentioned France, but France did not have a a fascist government apart from Vichy, which was a short uh, parenthesis in the course of the war. Uh, So uh, there weren't, uh, you know, large uh, uh, spread. uh, There wasn't a spread, uh, widespread support for two decades uh, of a fascist regime Mm -hmm. in France. Uh, uh, the the, the German case is is, is totally different also because Germany, as you know, was uh, occupied, was split uh, and so it's in a sense quite hard to compare to to the Italian case.
1: Okay, good. Um, So I want to move to something else. You spend a lot of time in your book talking about uh, individual motivations um, for why they participated. Um, And of course, it's, it's not possible to get inside every individual's head or even uh, groups of individuals. Um, But I I do want you to spend some time talking about the particular things that motivated Italians to participate um, in genocide um, and and particularly the, the looting of Jewish property, which you you talk about in this book a lot. Um, Yes. um, So I'll, I'll I'll let you do that.
0: Yeah. Well, um, First of all, I think it is important to underline that uh, a limited number of Italians most likely were motivated by antisemitism itself in the persecution of the Jews. I mean, the ideological factor was uh, a limited factor in motivating persecution. Uh, I claim that uh, Italian participation uh, should be put in the context of uh, the Italian Civil War, the uh, split between fascists and anti-fascists, uh, and the war, and the German occupation. So, uh, under special condition of distress for Italian society, in which uh, Italians, in a sense, were all one against the other, uh, in, which, in which there was a great uh, climate of uh, suspicion, uh, of uh, self-defense, uh, uh, lot of selfishness, which also uh, was the result of the heavy conditions of the war. Um, so the motivating factor was uh, sometimes self-defense, uh, sometimes uh, you mentioned the looting of Jewish property. Uh, oftentimes it was the search for enrichment. So you would denounce a Jew, so you could, uh, for example, your Jewish neighbor, so you could uh, hopefully move into their apartment and uh, perhaps uh, 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 take his wealth. Sometimes it, uh, it had it had been your uh, the partner in a common uh, enterprise in a com- common uh, a business party. Sometimes it was your neighbor. Sometimes somebody who lived down the street. Also, the notion of genocide is is, is very relevant because. Uh, I tried to show, and I, I can say I've been one of the first to use this notion, uh, also s- to avoid, uh, uh, the centrality of the ideological factor. Because if you talk about the Holocaust, uh, it's obviously a project of uh, annihilation of the Jewish people. When you talk of genocide, more factors are implied. Uh, general violence uh, against your neighbor for self-defense, for uh, uh, the desire of enrichment, and, for example, for, um, in a sense, uh, sometimes there were past uh, episodes which had split people who knew each other, and it was uh, uh, returning on those uh, uh, problems uh, in common businesses or uh things That hadn't worked out in a friendship uh, would result uh, in uh, betray- betray- betrayal. Also, uh, genocide as it is seen today, and especially the genocide of the, the Jews of Europe, uh, as it has been described by, for example, Raoul Hilberg or Sigmund Baumann, uh, is a process which has involved a uh, uh, lot of bureaucratization. And uh, so, thousands of Italians were involved in the genocide of the Jews uh, only uh, uh, through a limited segment of this uh, uh, tragedy, uh, meaning uh, they played a bureaucratic, role, a bureaucratic role, for example, in drafting the list of Jews that would be arrested, or in listing the wealth that would be confiscated, or in driving the truck that they would lead a Jewish family from their address, the private address, uh, to uh, a, a detention camp. Uh, this allowed a large participation and support because all these functions uh, were fragmented. And uh, basically, as uh, Raoul Hilberg and Sigmund Baumann have written, uh, only a few people had an, an active uh, role in killing Jews face to face in Operation Barbarossa or. In the uh, uh, extermination camps, uh, very few were those who pushed Jews physically into the gas chambers or poured gas in the chambers. Uh, The Holocaust took place uh, as a genocide through a huge machinery of destruction in which bureaucracy played a huge role, and this is how it. This is what happened also in Italy. So participation was uh, also the call of duty the call of pro- process of bureaucratization, the uh, a call of collaboration, peer pressure. Uh, some of the things written by Christopher Browning uh, in Ordinary Men, uh, where he studied uh, uh, violence in the Eastern, on the Eastern Front and the involvement of regular, uh, ordinary policemen, apply also to the Italian case. It wasn't a, killing on the Itali- a case of killing on the Italian soil, but the peer pressure of, uh, of uh, for example, in the arrest by policemen, uh, by policemen was a factor involved. So there were many uh, factors. Uh, there were motivations which had to do with uh, enrichment, with uh, hate, uh, personal hate, uh, not ideologically or racially motivated. There was an ideological commitment too, because we know there were. Voluntary of uh, the fascist party reconstituted uh, under Mussolini in 1943 yes. during the German occupation. And there were, there was uh, anti-Semitic prejudice, uh, a kind of fatalism towards uh, the Jews. And uh, this is also another page which has been overlooked uh, internationally, sometimes also by Italian historiography, uh, the role uh, uh, played by anti-Semitism also in modern Italian history. Uh, Italians uh, were not uh, uh, free from uh anti semitic prejudice, in fact, the Catholic background had built for through centuries a uh, uh, many prejudices and uh, hostility, which uh, then uh, constituted a substratum uh, uh to persecution and uh, which on which fascism had built a uh, uh, a propaganda and an ideological campaign at least since thirty eight where as i mentioned the to enforce
1: racial laws. Um, I just I think this is an important thing to emphasize. Um, the character of Italian anti-Semitism um, is is really very different than the Nazi anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Correct that uh, you know the Nazi anti is more sci- pseudo scientific, you know racial based, right. whereas Italian yeah. Italian um, anti-Semitism has a has a more deep religious uh, undertone, yeah. Catholic undertone.
0: Yeah, but yes, this is true uh, in terms of its origins, uh, and uh, we cannot say that, uh, for example, antisemitism played uh, a major role within uh, Italian nationalist ideology when Italy was formed in the 19th century. We see few instances of antisemitism in, uh, among uh, Italian nationalist thinkers uh, in the 19th century. So for example, Massini, whom um, I mentioned, uh, uh, or others, uh, probably there was a more spread, uh, uh, anti-Judaism, which is the theological version, Christian and specifically Catholic the version of, uh, anti-Jewish hatred spread by the Catholic Church. Uh, still in the late 19th century, there were very, uh, and un- actually there was a resurgence of, uh, anti-Jewish hostility by the Catholic Church, um, in the 19th century, because uh, as we know, uh, the Vatican was the object of, uh, uh, an attack by uh, the Italian nationalists who formed the Italian state and basically, uh, secluded, uh, the, uh, the church within the, the walls of the Vatican. Uh, we should remember that until the, uh, 1860s, uh, the Vatican had a, a full-fledged state in central Italy. Uh, and it, well, while its political role was then limited uh, uh, to the city of Rome and to a neighborhood of the city of Rome, uh, and I don't mention, of course, the spiritual influence, which remains uh, very relevant today uh, of the Catholic Church, I mean, uh, but politically the Church was uh, uh, was a loser in, uh, in, in the 19th century, and also because of the advancement of secular ideology, socialism, uh, uh, positivism, etc., and as a reaction, it often pointed to uh, Jews uh, as a symbol of modernity, that modernity which had persecuted the Church and had uh, once again limited its political and in part also its role. So there were anti-Jewish campaigns led by the Church. Uh, for example, it's uh, uh, an official mouthpiece, uh, *Civiltà Catholic, uh, the Jesuit uh, uh, periodical, which still is in printing. Uh, in the 1880s and 1890s, uh, and, uh, and there was spread uh, anti-Jewish prejudice. And we cannot forget that uh, the Catholic Church has given up uh, uh, anti-Semitism as uh, an official position, an official view of the Church, only in the early 60s. Uh, so several years after the wars and after the Holocaust, over 15 years after the Holocaust, Only with uh, the second uh, Vatican Council. Uh, At the same time, uh, there's been uh, a wealth of historiography the last 20 years in Italy, which has shown that also the Italian sciences participated in racism and that racism had a role, uh, uh, especially in building uh, Italian colonialism. Uh, Since the 1880s, Italy started a uh, tried to, to start an empire in, in Africa or to acquire uh, conquest uh, colonies. Uh, uh, first in Ethiopia, uh, later in Libya, which it uh, conquered in 1911, 1912. And then finally, uh, with the conquest of most of Ethiopia and the declaration of an Italian Empire in Ethiopia in 1935, uh, Uh, This uh, colonial enterprise, through which Italy participated in the scramble for Africa, uh, required uh, the support of Italian sciences. So the existence of an Italian race was declared also by Italian sciences, and after all, race was a spread category in uh, European thought, uh, uh, in the sciences and literature. in uh, since the mid, at least the mid 19th century throughout Europe and Italy was not exempt from this. Mm. Uh, what we must say is, yes, fascism did not have antisemitism as its core at its, when it started in the 20s. Although there has been work, uh, for example, Mussolini trying to show that he had uh, lots of ambivalence towards the Jews and there are anti-Jewish statements by Mussolini already in the uh, and there are important episodes uh, at the end of the 20s and in the early 30s in which there is a, a, some indication of anti-Semitism within the fascist party And the there were dreams of the fascist party which used anti-Semitism uh, for example so-called the so-called economic anti-Semitism. for example uh, farinacci who had been he was one of the secretary uh, of the fascist party in 25, in the 30s, attacked uh, Jewish capitalism openly. And uh, in the mid-30s, uh, uh, also the anti-fascists were uh, accused of being largely Jewish. Uh, there was an important Jewish segment among anti fascism but there were uh, open generalization by fascism. And then there was a connection between uh, the racial question and the Jewish question, which started already in 37, right after the declaration of the Italian Empire in Ethiopia, the first racial laws enforced by the fascist regime were actually uh, laws enforced in the colonies, where the mixed-breed uh, sexual relationships between African women and Italian men were forbidden by law in 1937. Then came in 38 the racial laws, uh, anti-Semitic racial laws. Which uh, were, in fact, shipped, a shift, a major turning point in the policies and also on the ideological level for fascism.
1: Um, so let's 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 shift gears. Um, I think that was that was very fascinating. So thank you for explaining all of that. Um, to rescue, um, yeah. you don't you don't talk a lot about it in, in your book, but you do you do you do say it happens. Um, yes. It's not as certainly not as widespread as um, we had believed, um, but if you can talk about the character of rescue who participated. Um, what you think? How yes. widespread well, do you think Res- it was?
0: Rescue did play an, an important role in the Italian experience. Uh, my book uh, is uh, concerned with genocide. I don't do a full treatment of you know the. The, uh, the destiny and the experience of the Jews, uh, of Italy during the war or of European Jews who found themselves in Italy during the war and during the Holocaust. Uh, otherwise I would have, I would have had to, uh, devote, uh, a relevant, uh, attention to rescue, which was, uh, an important, uh, very relevant aspect. And I can say, from my own family experience, if I can mention the scholar's background once again, that part of my family uh, on my father's side was deported and part of my father's family was uh, saved by Italians. And in fact, if I am here today, uh, uh, I owe this to other Italians who uh, rescued, uh, uh, well, both, uh, well, especially my father's uh, family. Uh, so I am myself in a sense of demonstration, uh, of the fact that Italians deported Jews, arrested Jews, and part of my family was deported and killed, including, uh, small children. Uh, another part of it was saved. Uh, a major role was played by the Catholic clergy. So as we mentioned, uh, ideological commitment against the Jews, uh, we should also mention the role of the Catholic Church in, uh, and the Catholic Church in rescuing Jews. It wasn't done, it was done for, uh, on, based on the Catholic, on Catholic principles of, you know, rescuing life. Uh, this uh, did not necessarily entail, uh, getting rid of, uh, anti-Semitic prejudice, so, but in, in the face, in front of, a of, uh, of, a, of a life under threat, convent opened their doors, especially in Rome. Uh, tens of convents hosted uh, for several months Jews in hiding. Um, uh, and um, but uh, it, it is also true that there was no central order uh, from the high excellence of the Catholic Church clergy, clergy for the rescue. Uh, so uh, the question of the silences of Pius XII, the Pope of the time, uh, was is still still open. Uh, no document has been found that the fact that uh, Roman convents opened their door was decided uh, from high above. And uh, uh, the Holocaust did take place under the windows, at least the arrest of Jews in Rome and, uh, in October 1943, especially. Uh, uh, with no uh, statement, with no condemnation uh, by the Pope. Uh, but uh, apart from the clergy, uh, individual Italians uh, helped Jews uh, in the countryside, in cities uh, sometimes they did it uh, out of an act of generosity uh, sometimes they received uh, payment for that uh, uh, and they showed that uh, uh, several thousand Jews were were, were rescued, uh, and, uh, so they put their life under, uh, under threat, uh, they ta- many, many Italians think so. Uh, what I emphasize in the book is that in recent years, uh, uh in the last, uh, decade or so, probably the last 15 years, there's been an increasing and unbalanced attention on the rescue of Jews by Italians uh, in Italian society. For example, Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum in uh, Jerusalem, has acknowledged, uh, 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 hundreds of Italians uh, uh, rescuing Jews, but it has paid very limited attention to uh, Italian executioners, to Italian participating in the Holocaust. So, uh, on Holocaust Remembrance Day, which was established in the year 2000, also in Italy, the European-wide date uh, uh, which uh, coincides with the Date of the opening of the gates of Auschwitz on January 27, 1945. Uh, every year, uh, there are uh, Italians who well are acknowledged as uh, uh, as having saved Jews, uh, but very limited attention is paid to the role of Italians who arrested Jews. I think we should find certainly on historical uh, ground a balance between acknowledging uh, rescue and acknowledging the role in the deportations, otherwise, mm-hmm. seeing from the perspective of the public debate, even in Italy, we always talk of Italian sustained Jews, uh, uh, and we don't we cannot understand how was it possible that uh, almost seven thousand Jews were arrested and deported and killed.
1: Yeah, um so that leads me to my next question. Um, how do you see the the perception of Italy's role in the Holocaust changing in the future? Um, you know, as younger generations of Italians become historians and look into these these questions. Um, and how was your book received in in Italy?
0: Um, I think I mean Italian historiography is increasingly dealing with these problems, uh, uh, the criminal nature of fascism, and also. The Italian involvement in the Holocaust, and in fact, my book uh, comes in Italy as a, uh, as a, in the sense a synthesis of work that has been done in the last uh, uh, fifteen to twenty years, and perhaps even more by uh, many uh, younger scholars, uh, uh, on whose work uh, I have based part of my own work, uh, work that's been done on individual cities, for example, Florence or Venice or Milan or even Rome, has increasingly acknowledged and reconstructed in detail the role of Italians uh, uh, in the Holocaust uh, and uh, also more generally the criminal nature of fascism. And and I think this is uh, emerging also in international historiography, especially in the U.S., and uh, Think uh, that uh, a new generation of scholars trained by uh, uh, Italy, uh, Italian specialists uh, like uh, Victoria De Graaf at Columbia University or Ruth Benedict at NYU or other American campuses, uh, they themselves have worked on these topics in part, or they are training a new generation of scholars who have looked at uh, the violent nature of fascism uh, and also. Uh, there's other work uh, uh, that's been translated into English uh, on uh, Italian anti-Semitism during fascism. For example, I have to recall Michele Sarfati's work published by uh, Wisconsin University Press in the George Mosse collection already uh, a decade ago, uh, because Sarfati is one of the leading scholars uh, of, the, of uh, fascist anti-Semitism and uh, he has uh, headed uh, the Center for uh, Jewish History in Milan for several decades, and his work was published in the States uh, already about a decade ago. So uh, new work is is now available, and I think uh, uh, this uh, enterprise uh, of uh, balancing the historical record will will continue. Uh, in general, uh, the Italian edition of my book has sold very well, uh, but apart from the commercial aspect, uh, I think uh, many Italians are grateful that the historical record has been uh, restored. Uh, generally, uh, newspaper articles were, were quite favorable. There is still some uh, resistance uh, within academic circle in uh, when you talk of the Italian executioner, and, uh, uh, there's the perception that we, that I want to try to establish a parallel with the German experience, uh, uh which I do want, which I want only in part, because as a student, I want to, I mean, I think comparison is, uh, is made, uh, is necessary, uh, and is useful to establish, uh, what is specific of every national experience, and what is, so, especially to work on differences more than on similarities, huh? Uh, this is still uh, regarded with some uh, uh, uncertainty and with some skepticism uh, in Italian academic circles. But I think uh, that uh, historical truth will will proceed. And uh, I don't want to be moralistic about it. I think uh, even in my book I didn't want to draw a list of Italians who. Uh, arrested Jews or participating in the Holocaust, but I was more interested in describing uh, the process of of involvement uh, in violent actions uh, and also the bureaucratization of violence which made possible uh, what happened. Uh, Many Italians were (coughs) ordinary Italians who did not perform Violent duties, they participated in the process of persecution. And this is the answer I often give to the question that is often raised that did Italians who participated in these actions, especially bureaucratic actions, know what they were doing, meaning what would be the ultimate result of what they were doing? How spread was, were the news of the final solution and of the terminal, uh, Aim uh, and conclusion, meaning extermination in the gas chambers, uh, known in Italy. Uh, the news were known, certainly the Vatican news, many, uh, uh, the elite knew that uh, we have diaries from uh, intellectuals who were well informed, uh, not only by journalism, but also through diplomatic connections that knew what was happening in Eastern Europe. What I say. Probably the population at large did not have a clear notion of what was happening. Uh, that's most likely true, but what they did know is that they were participating in a process of persecution uh, of some sort, a, persecution, a process which had started in 1938 with the uh, expulsion of Jews from Italian society, with the creation of a kind of an apartheid system, uh, Jewish schools for Jews only. Uh, no Jewish books lent in Italian libraries, uh, no Jewish companies, uh, uh, no uh, Jewish partnerships within, uh, and for example, Jewish professionals uh, working only for uh, a Jewish population. So a system of apartheid which had been built and kept alive by fascism for five years then was, in a sense, enhanced uh, and a new radical policy was started uh, in the name of the, uh, of a renewed alliance with Nazism that resulted in Holocaust. So the population that participated in this project knew that it was participating in a process of persecution very, very clearly. They knew what they were doing. Uh, if they did not know, uh, of the, the fatal result and uh, the fatal end of that process, uh, they knew that they weren't, uh, that we were involved uh, in uh, in a process based on hostility, of prejudice, uh, and on uh, state persecution. Uh, I think uh, this uh, will emerge more and more from the sources. Also, now uh, the, there are no private limits on the official sources on this uh, experience in state archives in Italy. So. There is free uh, open access to these documents and I think uh, uh, historians uh, uh, will increasingly write on this uh, and works will be translated on this uh, that will uh, spread the the knowledge uh, of uh, what was the Holocaust, uh, not only in the heart of Europe, uh, in Germany or in Eastern Europe, but also in Western Europe. And uh, the notion that the Holocaust could not take place without collaboration throughout Europe, uh, including the Italian collaborationists, and in this case, actually, allies, uh, will uh, basically be clearly established and reinforced.
1: Um, So um, we're coming in close to an hour. So let me ask, um, what are one or two things um, that you would like somebody listening or someone who's reading your book Um, to take away from your book? Um, You could force them to two things, one or two things.
0: Yeah, well, um, I think, uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, I think, I hope this book will, uh, by focusing on the most uh, extreme, and most violent phase of Italian history, of Italian fascism, uh, will uh, allow a reconsideration of the fascist experience more generally, and once again of its criminal nature, the fact that fascism uh, already in the twenties was a, a <coughs> in the mid twenties became a dictatorship and a violent one which uh, persecuted uh, uh the opposition uh, and uh, uh, limited uh, freedom uh, and denied the freedom of opinion uh freedom of press freedom of political association but also uh killed its uh, 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 I can recall the brothers, uh, uh prominent anti-fascists who were killed in France in 37. I can recall the name of Antonio Gramsci, now acknowledged as a leading philosopher throughout the world uh, for his theoretical work, uh, but actually a major fight, anti-fascist fighter who died as a consequence of his, uh, uh jailing in, in, in uh, fascist prisons in 1937. But others were killed already in 1924, like uh, Matteotti, and uh, or in 25, like Piero Gobetti, who died uh, in exile. So this is one aspect which I think uh, I hope uh, uh, the readers of my book internationally will uh, be brought to reconsider, led to reconsider. Another aspect uh, is uh, how to study the spread of violence uh, in uh, genocide and civil war, and especially in, in genocide. The idea, uh, that genocide studies are increasingly showing is that genocide does not take place in, uh, in faraway lands. We often associate genocide with something, in a sense, uh, exotic or even oriental. Uh, uh, well, for example, Rwanda or uh, uh, Armenia or Cambodia. Uh, well, we know from recent experiences in the 1990s that it can happen also in the heart of Europe, Bosnia, we know this uh, from the Second World War, Uh, genocide is the killing of the next door neighbors. Once uh, uh, there are the ideological and social uh, and cultural preconditions to persecute the other, your next door neighbors. Uh, So I am interested and I hope uh, uh, the readers will be interested in uh, reading about and trying to understand how those violence. Spread uh, uh, at the molecular level uh, once there are the conditions which are enforced by hatred of your next door neighbors, uh, by racism, uh, prejudice, hostility, in a special condition uh, of war or of uh, extreme socio-economic uh, and political tensions. These are perhaps two major aspects, one more specific, uh, the Italian experience, and the other sort of more broad, which uh, Italy in 1943-45 mm-hmm. uh, at the heart of the European experience, uh, becomes a tragedy mm-hmm. the question Western genocide.
1: Well, yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, I want to encourage everybody listening to go out and get the book. Um, it's a great book. It's also very concise um, at about 150 pages. So um, definitely uh, enjoyed reading the book. Um, but before I let you go, I, I'm going to put you on the spot and sort of ask you: uh, What are you working on now?
0: Um, I have two projects. Uh, one uh, deals with uh, one of the sources of the so-called protocols of the Elders of Zion of Zion, which was a uh, early 20th century forgery. Uh, Probably uh, drafted in Russia with strong uh, French influence, which describes uh, a text which describes a world conspiracy uh, by Jews to conquer the control of the world uh, of world economics uh, and uh, uh, of society at large. This forgery is still spread. Uh, it had enjoyed a huge success after the First World War, but it still spread online and it's often the subtext of uh, fake news uh, attacking Jews uh, for their wealth uh, and their supposed uh, access to uh, the control of society and economics. And I am working on a specific source, uh, a text of the 1870s uh, by an Englishman who traveled through the Mediterranean in Europe and wrote in 1873 a book called Uh, The Conquest of the World by Jews, and this short text, uh, which is one of the first uh, anti-Jewish polemics uh, uh, of the modern period, becomes uh, one of the sources uh, of the forgery, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, Another broader project uh, has to do uh, with, uh, again, Italian history. And it's about the role played by Italian intellectuals in the transition from fascism to anti-fascism, and how uh, Italian intellectuals who were, as most of Italian society, largely involved uh, in fascism, then uh, described themselves after the war as largely anti-fascist, and how they uh, helped uh, Italian society build a narrative uh, which was uh, uh, largely based on the oblivion of fascist crimes uh, and the oblivion of Italian responsibility within fascism. So I looked at a few major intellectual novelists, journalists, and academics uh, who had been involved in fascism and then sort of self-fashioned themselves as openly anti-fascist after the war and helped build a uh, uh, collective narrative uh, of uh, 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 uh of uh, in the post-war period in which uh, the responsibility, the entire responsibility within fascism were basically erased. These are my two projects.
1: Well, they both sound fascinating and when you finish and they become books, um, I hope you'll be back on the show uh, to talk about them. I want to thank you again for being on the show today. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you about this book. Um, I also want to thank everybody for listening uh, to New Books in German Studies. And uh, we will see you all next time.